Opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. Securities are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. Good morning and welcome to Beyond the Business on News Radio 94.3 WSC. Each Saturday morning at 9 o'clock, successful business leaders and entrepreneurs from across the low country talk about what it takes to succeed in business and in life now your hosts of beyond the business eric cox and leslie haywood and great saturday morning low country welcome to another edition of beyond the business heard exclusively here on 94.3 wsc every saturday morning from 9 to 9 30 thank you for taking the time to join us to listen to great stories of entrepreneurship and leadership every saturday morning I'm certainly one of your hosts, Eric Cox, here this morning. And your other host, Byron Stahl. Good morning, everyone. Glad to be here. And uh, Good Eric, to have you back, Byron. You've yeah. been uh, down under for a uh, couple of weeks. Yeah, so, you can uh, dig a hole through the planet and maybe make good. your way over to New Zealand. How was your trip? Uh, it was amazing. I mean, obviously not good news coming out of there uh, right after I got back, but it was amazing. Um, good. Pictures do not do it justice, so... Well, we're glad to have you back. We switch you out. You come back. Leslie's gone. So I know we're the just... one staple around here is I don't get to travel, I guess. So I here know. I am, week in and week out. And we're excited because we have another great show ready for you today in the studio. But before we turn... Yeah, we had a great show uh, last week. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Jean? We did. And um, uh, Jean Boldron is uh, the gentleman that was with us last week. Jean is the owner of Sherry Jean Cosmetics, actually um, a gentleman who is from France and has brought the first franchise over to the United States uh, of Guino, which is a famous brand over in Europe. And uh, what a great story he was, uh, and testament, again, to just you know, starting a model, um, some of the challenges and struggles you go through in starting a model, and really a testament back to it's all about the people. Uh, he said it's not what you do, it's who you do it with. And I think that's a commonality we hear week in and week out from our entrepreneurs, as well as, um, which I could relate to, he talked a lot about the fact that he's really – in the experience business they so happen to do cosmetics but they're in the experience business and it was all about the customer journey and so if you um happen to miss that show want to hear a little more about what the customer journey is all about simply go to our website at coastalwm.com and click on the radio icon and both uh, last week and the week before well as well as look five years of shows are on there oh, so yeah. great stories and uh jean did a great job and thanks again uh just for bringing it and speaking of bringing it i know we have another one today we're excited uh, mr carl yost is in the studio so carl first of all welcome thanks guys morning we're glad to have you here on a saturday morning ready to fire it up i know you've done some amazing things here in the community so we're excited to uh, hear all about it uh carl is the chairman and ceo of green shoot capital and so before we dive into your background carl give us a quick you know 20 second commercial on what is green shoot yeah, um, you know, Green Shoot Capital is, is a permanent equity fund. And what that means is we make investments with people here in the low country. And, and these are long-term investments. Um, we've met some incredible entrepreneurs and had the opportunity to, to make, uh, some lifelong friends and make some incredible investments. And we've got, you know, a couple of portfolio companies we've invested here, um, at locally. And we'll, I'm sure we'll get a chance to talk a little bit about those, but, most importantly, you know, we've uh, we get a chance to really kind of share in people's potential. And it's a great distinction because you you said it, uh, long term investment, but truly you guys are a little different than the traditional private equity group in that um, you're in permanent equity side of it. And that's so, right, that's right. And what that means is, you know, traditional private equity is going to raise money from a set of investors, and they have a very specific mandate in, in terms of how that money is to be used and for what duration. 
Um, because we have, uh, you know, local investors that have a very long time horizon, you know, that we don't have this mandate to kind of return people's capital within a very specific period of time or invest in a specific industry. So we get a chance to really look at all kinds of different opportunities. And for us, really, you know, we every time we make an investment, we, we don't plan on selling. We plan on, you know, being with that that group of folks for you know for a generation so definitely a different perspective yeah, on the pe world i love than, that uh, yeah a little different than than the norm well i know we cannot wait to hear about the impact you guys have had on our community but as we are all aware this show is called beyond the business so we're going to go beyond the business first and go all the way to the very beginning carl i want you to tell us about where you grew up and what was family life growing up yeah so a little different than than maybe some of the folks uh here in the low country so i grew up in the middle of kansas um, and uh, it was a town's called Junction City, Kansas, but it's got one of the largest military bases in the country that we attach to. So basically, we're a you know a small satellite town for Fort Riley, Kansas, which is the big red one. And what's kind of weird about that is my dad was actually not in the military. He was one of the five people in town that weren't associated with the military. But all my friends, kind of growing up, kind of came and went, you know, to Germany, and you know, just this incredibly diverse kind of group of folks in the middle of Kansas where no one was from Kansas. It's kind of like Charleston now, right, where I live in a place where literally – It's a melting pot. Yeah, it's just such an amazing kind of um, place. And and actually I was listening to Bratt and Riley's talk with you guys, and I I guess the the one thing that's very similar is I didn't know any different. Like that's that's how life was, right? You kind of grew up with, you know, lots of diversity and lots of different things. We were – our high school is the first high school in the state to put metal detectors in the high school, right? So it clearly was not, you know, as you guys would necessarily think of a small town in Kansas, right? There was definitely, you know, like I said, a lot of diversity. And, um, you know, my folks were, I grew up in a very traditional home. Uh, I was the oldest, uh, younger brother and sister. And uh, my mom was staying home mom. My dad would actually work for the telephone company. And um, they were really involved in kind of community in many different ways, church, volunteerism. And, uh, you know, that's just that's just what they did and who they were. And now I look back, especially in relation to this show or other things and think, wow, what you know, what what a great example that served. Because, um, like I said, I didn't know any different. You know, we didn't. My dad had 17 brothers and sisters He's from Nebraska. That's it. (laughs) First one to go to college and, you know, hitchhiked, you know, to get there and, you know, all those all those things. So it was just a fantastic kind of uh, kind of uh, relationship kind of growing up. We uh, moved to Missouri to a town called Warrensburg, Missouri, which is about an hour outside of Kansas City when I was a junior in high school. And so that was very interesting, obviously, you know, having being a new kid and a in a small town in Missouri, and and then um, I went on to the University of Missouri, uh, you know, from you know, my folks moving. So, of course, I grew up in Kansas. All my buddies went to K-State, which was like 15 minutes away, or, or KU, and I end up, up going to the rival school, that, you know, growing up was Mizzou, right? So I ended up going to, going to Mizzou and majoring in business and just uh, having a fantastic kind of experience, you know, college experience. And so when you go back, Carl, and you think about being a youngster and you were looking forward to the future, um, what goals, aspirations, dreams, what do you think you were going to be? You know, um, I have a very distinct kind of marker. So I mentioned that Kansas State was 15 miles away, but, you know, in that world, it was was literally, you know, I I went to Manhattan like 
twice, you know, before you just that that was I was in kind of a world where you just didn't move around very much, right? And so I was 15, and I got a chance to go to K State and kind of see college. Now you got to realize most of the folks I lived around, I mean, college was not like people didn't talk about going to college. There wasn't that many people that went to college, right? So. It wasn't like high on the priority list. I'm, my dad went to college, so I'm quite sure I was going to go to college. But um, that experience, just being on the college campus and actually meeting people. And so a friend of mine, you know, his brother was in school and just seeing that experience really marked kind of, you know, uh, a big kind of interest in, wow, this I'm going to go do this. This is definitely something for me. Um, and then, you know, I went to school very much. You know, I was orientated towards business, and I didn't know what that meant. I worked nights at a grocery store, you know, at the time. So, you know, it wasn't like I had a a really good understanding of what business was or anything like that. But uh, that was something that I knew I was going to be involved in. Well, I know you weren't exactly sure what you wanted to do in your future, but kind of walk us back and tell us what type of student were you, what hobbies were you involved in. Just kind of give us an overall idea of what was young Carl like. Yeah, you know. I would say the first thing is definitely late bloomer. Um, wasn't a good student. You know, um, my brother and sister were in the gifted programs when they were kind of babies. My brother was like one of the first people to learn how to read and got a lot of, and these are obviously my younger brothers and sisters, right? And so I was a little bit, I was always the guy my parents were a little worried about when the grade card came in. Um, never knew kind of what it was going to say or, you know, I had all the different excuses about why things were going the way they were. Um, but definitely not, you know, the the star student or, you know, the class president or anything like that. Um, you know, young Carl was very much kind of hard worker, you know, full-time job and, you know, um, never really got uh, that involved in sports until I got out of um, high school. So really involved later, uh, kind of grew up a little later. So I grew like six inches in one summer when I was in high school and some other things. So I went from playing, you know, football to basketball pretty instantly and and uh, some of those other things. But um, it was fascinating because, you know, I look back now and think, you know, I went to the University of Missouri um, and probably couldn't have got into school right? Realistically, had I been the same student today. So I'm very thankful for kind of the start that I had. Amen to that. I think we all probably could say that, right? Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. And so we know you went from uh, Mizzou and went on to get your MBA at uh, University of Texas at Austin. Was that, was there a gap in between that? You know what? There wasn't. I ended up actually um, doing very well in college. So, you know. It all clicked for you. Yeah, things came together. I will say the one thing that came together is my wife and I met when we were in college and got married when we were in college. So, you know, I'm, you know, 51 years old and, you know, we're kind of creeping up on 30 years of marriage wow. and all that stuff. So it's wow. a little different angle. Yeah. And I will say, um, you know, obviously she changed my life, but I mean that in a more profound way. Um, you know, I wasn't, you know, serious and I met her and, and got serious and got serious about a lot of things, especially kind of grades and academics and ended up you know, graduating with, you know, um, and, being very successful in college. And because of that, I was one of a handful of students that Texas accepted kind of going straight through. Now, the reason why I tell you I got married is because, you know, we were really worried that if I went and took a job, right, there was a pretty high likelihood I wasn't going to be able to go back to college. Mm -hmm. Uh, My wife uh, left school to marry me 
And so, you know, we kind of had a, a deal where I was going to finish and then I was going to help her finish. And so um, that was kind of that's kind of how it happened. And that's why I really wanted to go on to graduate school. And then she um, we both worked at the Golden Corral in nice. Austin, Texas. And she then went down to finish her degree at Texas State. And so, you know, here we are, uh, 21, 22 years old. Got the wife, you know, by the, the horns, and uh, we just had a, a wonderful experience down there. And uh, I will say for sure, Texas was the place that definitely changed my trajectory. Had a wonderful experience at the University of Missouri, but being around people that my roommate, um, so my wife and I were engaged the first semester, and my roommate in graduate school was uh, one of the top students, engineering students from Virginia Tech, and he brought in all of his books that he had kept, right? I was one step out of the fraternity house. I mean, this guy's 26 <laughs> books, years old. Books. Yeah, I had no idea that people were that serious about school. And, you know, that experience in Texas and just all the all the different people I met, all the different experiences I had really changed how I saw myself. Um, you know, I, I definitely saw myself differently from that experience. And Austin was kind of Charleston back then, mm-hmm. right? It was it was just this magical place. Michael Dell had just gone back to kind of run his company. Lee Walker would had ran it for him for a couple of years. Now he was a professor at the University of Texas. So, you know, yeah, Keith tech, Dell's well, coming in, out, you know, yeah. Michael's coming into the classroom. It was just uh, – Austin That's was a, a really special time, place. Yeah. And by the way, in case you just jumped in your car and turned on the radio wondering who you're listening to, it's that voice of Mr. Carl Yost, again, who's the chairman and CEO of Green Shoot Capital here in Charleston. And um, Carl, give us a little idea. Once you exited um, UT with your MBA, uh, sort of what was the start in, in the real world and how that came about? Yeah, so I I had one of the most magical starts, um, and I'm so grateful. I, I joined – I had some, some different opportunities um, – uh, HP, actually Enron, you know, some of those other areas. And I ended up taking a job with Motorola in Texas. I mentioned my wife was still in school, so we wanted to stay there and kind of finish all that out. So we, uh, I took a job with Motorola in a small town in Texas. Um, but Motorola was kind of Google back then. Like this was Six Sigma. They were, I still remember I was in their kind of management development program. So I was a finance major in, in uh, Texas and got kind of part of their finance development program. And uh, we got a chance to meet some of the top engineers in the company as part of this, and they showed us this phone that was the start of the flip phone, right, that was going to come out in about a year and a half, and just all these different technologies. And um, I just had such an incredible opportunity. I worked with Fernando Reyes and Bruce Gleghorn and some of the these people that you know, took me under my wing when I was a young man, right? And they were kind of high in their careers, and I, and they really allowed me as a finance person to really be a part of the business of Motorola. That was probably the thing that that was different is finance wasn't, um, you know, it was really trying to accentuate the business. I was the first MBA hire they had. Um, they had originally always hired kind of accounting majors into into their staff, and so they they made a big move and went to Texas and hired an MBA kind of to come in. It was a automotive electronics facility that where we made basically engine controllers and things. And so I was a part of a team that won the Global Six Sigma Award. Um, I went to Singapore. You know, we got a chance to you know, go to the Palace of Singapore because we were the largest investor in Singapore at the wow. time. You know, wow. so, you know, here I am, 23 years old, staying at the Shangri-La when, you know, 
of course, I you know slept on a twin bed back home in Texas. So, <laughs> right time, uh, right place. Absolutely. It was amazing. Wow. Amazing experience. An absolutely amazing experience. Now, in this management development program and with these mentors and these amazing experiences, do you have any maybe biggest takeaway from that time that you use today? Um, I would say the, the biggest thing that I take away from that experience was uh, – because we were working in automotive and because it was Motorola, just that, that focus on quality and kind of doing it right the first time. And just um, from a professional perspective, I learned how, how a business is run and still run all my businesses the same way we did in the method that we used at Motorola. So professionally, it was, I mean, in, like I said, in all ways, just an amazing kind of place uh incredible entrepreneurship i mean we were starting different businesses we started gps business when we were there and i got a big part of that but i think personally um the one thing i saw for sure was you know just how important the engineering talent right was and how to develop that so a lot of the opportunities i got at motorola uh, were to be the lead groups where i was not the technical Mm -hmm. lead Right where you know folks that work for me knew, I knew so much more about what we were doing, and that at the time it was very challenging, mm-hmm. right? But now you know I, I I seek that out, right? It's very clear, kind of where a lot of that expertise is in the marketplace, and so I, I know how important you know getting that kind of talent with you is is in terms of being successful. So you spent oh gosh the better part of uh, twenty five years or so. From there on out, yeah, in all phases of, of business, I'm um, reading here M and A funding, uh, operations, strategy. Uh, you've been with some obviously some big companies like Grant Thornton. Um, give us a little um, sense of what it was like to go through. I mean, Motorola, Grant Thornton, these big yeah, yeah. massive corporations. Yeah. So what happened was I left, uh, went, I did Motorola, and then got recruited to go to Wyeth, which is a big pharmaceutical company now, part of Pfizer. Had a great kind of another finance career, and then I actually was hired by Arthur Anderson to kind of help start their uh, consulting business. So I had done a lot of technology at Motorola and didn't all my buddies were like, hey, you know, you need to really think about this consulting stuff. You really know a lot about technology and you're kind of a unique person that has both finance and technology experience. So I became one of their first hires in kind of the financial technology kind of business. And um, really, I mean, it was like forefront. So my big shift there was into tech, and then basically my rest of my career is is te- as a tech career, you know, because a guy named Steve Sestak took a chance on me, right? And you know, here I was, you know, living it up in Iowa. I'm, I'm, I was one of their first, uh, very similar to Motorola. I was one of their first what they call experience tires, right? Anderson hired people out of college mm-hmm. and trained them, and I'm. Here I am, twenty seven or twenty eight, right? NBA hire, first yeah. experience well, but, you know, that's right? all. <laughs> yeah, that's you know, as you can say, you know, wake up on third or hit a triple, right? There's no, <laughs> you know, that that just I happened to be there when yeah. some of those. Now I will say that some of that was intentional, right? When my wife and I wanted to get back to the Midwest, you know, where could we work in the Midwest? I didn't want to work for a company anymore. You know, the consulting piece made a lot of sense, so I I was proactive in reaching out to them you know, in Kansas City where kind of we wanted to move back to. But, um, you know, so Anderson and then Anderson had this uh, little thing happen called Enron. <laughs> and I had actually uh, made partner, 
you know, at Arthur Anderson, a really young, uh, you know, partner there. And what happened was when you're a young partner, you basically they lend you the money to become a partner. And then they ended up um, selling, you know, that note to Citibank in a finance transaction way before Enron ever happened. So I actually owned Citibank two or three houses. And so when Anderson went down, right, we, you know, Citibank, uh, you know, wanted their money, right? And um, so I led a group of partners with a couple other folks to basically purchase the assets from Arthur Anderson. Um, you know, we didn't get stupid overnight. I mean, we, right. we had great people. We had great clients. And so we basically started this thing in a basement, you know, mortgaged everything we had and, you know, basically doubled down on ourselves. And most importantly, just find had to find a way to keep paying people and a lot of people, right? This wasn't a startup in the kind of clinical sense. It was very much 50 people, big payroll. And so, you know, that was, you know, that's my first entrepreneurial experience. So you kind of right? got shoved into it. It wasn't, Absolutely. let's go do this. No right? doubt about it. It wasn't, I mean, it was a lots of options. So the let's go do it on our own was very, very challenging. Like, I mean, people came in with offers to move us, you know, move our teams over different companies, but we certainly decided to do that on our own. What, what, uh, give us a sense of time frame. When was this? Yeah. So this is 2002. So okay. yep, 2002, we started our own firm. Um, we grew that to, you know, uh, 11 offices around the country, several hundred people over 11 years. And, uh, you know, um, that was, you know, owning your own company and, and hiring literally a thousand people and, and, you know, having clients all over the country and all over the world, you know, that was, that was a very magical experience for me. Very, obviously very challenging, went through a lot of difficult things, started a lot of businesses in that, started a lot of different companies. Um, that's where I learned, you know, a lot about, you know, owning companies and, and we, we were implementing, you know, basically financial HR and marketing systems for Nike and Walmart and Hallmark and all these incredible companies. Uh, Oracle was the product that we was our partner and we won partner of the year with Oracle several times. Um, we ended up selling that to Grant Thornton, um, here about four years ago. So I, I joined Grant Thornton as kind of the head of their technology practice uh, as part of kind of bringing our organization over to them and several hundred people and uh, left, you know, Grant Thornton uh, here a little under two years ago and started Green Shoe Capital. So speak a minute because we're about to run out of time, unfortunately, uh, this week. But um, talk a little bit about, Carl, the dichotomy between, again, going back and forth from big corporation, your business that scaled and became big, yeah. back to big corporation – back now to entrepreneurial world, looking at those two different worlds, kind of give us your uh, thoughts in, in terms of what you really like from big corporation, but what you really value in entrepreneurial waters. Yeah, I think um, the the big corporation, there's no doubt, the best part of that is just the, the training ground, right? You don't learn that much that fast any other place. Um, but I haven't had a W-2 in 20 years, right? And so the the... The shift in terms of what's different is like, you know, going to bed at night knowing that if you and a couple of the other friends of yours don't deliver that, you know, a hundred people aren't going to kind of work. And you were talking about going through 2008 and some of the other challenges as well. I mean, that's just a, that, that's a different experience, but one that, that I valued. So I, I kind of started, you know, I valued, you know, having my, our own company and, and I valued working with partners as opposed to being an employee. And so, uh, but definitely the, the big difference is just, you know, the training ground, the development, you know, the, 
you know, think about the concept of a career where you actually have a ladder and, you know, you have roles that you can aspire to. You know, when you're an owner, you don't, that, those things, they, they don't lay out as cleanly as they do when you're at a company. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So walk us through the start and the beginning of uh, Green Shoot Capital. Yeah. So, um, we, you know, I'd made a number of investments here, um, in the low country for a number of years when I was with, um, uh, Market Sphere was the name of the company that I founded, and then with Grant Thornton, I lived here in the summertime and got to know a lot of investors and tech and everything else, and made a lot of investments. But basically, um, read a book by a couple of guys at Harvard. Um, they uh, it's called The Guide to Buying a Small Business, and and uh, got a chance to listen to their podcast and everything. And their their whole angle was. Uh, hey, listen, there's a lot more opportunity to apply kind of entrepreneurial capability to existing businesses um, versus startups. I'd, I'd made a lot of investments in startups. I still help a lot of startups. You know, almost every day I'm working with someone in tech where, you know, I'm trying to help them or advise them, but basically made a big shift towards trying to apply kind of our focus and our entrepreneurial capability towards existing companies. So we basically um, got a group of partners together that had that same interest to kind of pool our talents and resources um, to really start to focus on investing in companies here in the low country. And, and these, like you said earlier, you're investing not just uh, in private equity, but permanent equity. And we're going to hear maybe uh, next week because we're running out of time today, sort of what the benefit that has been in terms of building relationships and sustaining relationships when you take that approach versus the traditional PE route. Yeah, I look forward to talking more about it. Sorry we ran out of time. Hey, We're just man. getting the story just ready, right? Fun. So for our uh, listeners today, they're going to have to come back and join us next week either via um, our podcast. Again, that's uh, on CoastalWM.com. Simply go to the radio icon. Or if you're listening to, uh, to us here today on 94.3, simply tune the dial next Saturday morning at 9 o'clock for the second half of Carl Yost, again, chairman and CEO of Green Shoot Capital. And until next Saturday, Low Country. Have a blessed week. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Business on News Radio 94.3 WSC. Tune in next Saturday morning at 9 o'clock for Beyond the Business, hosted by Eric Cox and Leslie Haywood, and heard exclusively on News Radio 94.3 WSC.